In fact, today we are starting a, uh, a three-part series. This will actually be kind of broken up a little bit, but it's a three-part series called The Blessed Life. How many of you want to live a blessed life? How many of you want to live a cursed life? Now, if you do, please see me afterwards, all right? Because I want to talk to you, and I, want, I have a long list of professional counselors that you can see. Because nobody wants to live a blessed life, a, a, a cursed life. We all want to live a blessed life, right? And, and here's the good news today. God wants you to enjoy a blessed life. God doesn't want to curse you. God doesn't want to condemn you. Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus our Lord. God has no interest in condemning or cursing people. God is into blessing people. The issue is we need to cooperate with him so that he can bless us. And so this is our key verse for this three-part series, Acts 20.35, where it says it is more blessed to give than to receive. Jesus said that. It is more blessed to give than to receive. That's our key verse for this three-part series. And here is the key question for this three-part series. Do we really believe this? It is more blessed to give than to receive. Do we really believe this? That the way to having a blessed life is through generosity. It is through compassion. It is through caring and loving and serving and giving. Or if we were truly honest with ourselves, we believe that the blessed life comes in acquiring more and getting more and consuming more. And it's all about me. What do we really believe? Now, of course, we need to receive. Of course, we need to get our needs met. Jesus never taught a poverty gospel. You know, poverty gospels where, you know, some people actually teach this and even try to live accordingly where Jesus just wants you to give away everything. And, and there's certain verses you can point to where, where it might seem to that. But when you look at all that Jesus has to say, Jesus does not call you to be poor and to live in poverty. And every time you get a dollar, you just have to give it away. If you were really spiritual, you would just live in poverty and be destitute. No, no, no. Jesus did not teach a poverty gospel, but neither did he teach a prosperity gospel, at least the kind of prosperity gospel that you oftentimes see on, on television, they, these prosperity prosperity preachers. And the idea is if you give a little, then God will give you back a lot. And then you, so you give in order to get and so that you can have more and you can have more and you can get more and you can consume more. Jesus isn't into that kind of prosperity gospel either. You know what Jesus is really into? Jesus is into the generosity gospel. It's not, it's not poverty, it's not prosperity, but, but it's generosity. And this is where you manage your money and your possessions wisely, and God wants to bless you enough so that your needs are met and you can even have enough to enjoy things and, and even enough to, to give and show compassion and bless others. So we're not talking poverty here. We're not talking prosperity like the TV preachers do, but we're talking about generosity. Did you know that Christians today on average... Here's a statistic for you. Christians on average today give only 2.5% of their income. Christians on average. Now, honestly, I think our congregation is a little above that. But, but across the board, across the United States, on average, 2.5% of their income. Well, during the Great Depression, you know, the Great Depression was back in the 1930s. 
when the bottom fell out of the economy and stock market crashed and just all, you know, it's the Great Depression, historians call it. Christians back in the Great Depression gave on the average of 3.3%. And here we are today, you know what, 80 years later or so, and, and here, are, here are, we are enjoying a booming economy, and Christians across the United States give only 2.5% of their income. Wow. Did you know that there are 247 million people in the United States that claim to be Christians, and only a million and a half of them actually tithe? Tithing is, you know, the, the biblical principle of giving 10% of your income to the Lord's work. 247 million people claim to be Christian, and only 1.5 million actually tithe. So let's face it. If we really look at the statistics and really look at it honestly, most Christians do not believe Jesus when he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, the point is not to make anyone feel guilty. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty at all. Guilt is a poor motivator. What I want to do in this three-part series is to help you feel grateful. I'm not trying to make you anybody feel guilty. I want you to feel grateful so that when you, when you see these principles that come from our Lord Jesus about how we can live a more blessed kind of life and, and that His truth and His light will shine on you in such a way and you'll be so grateful that you will just from your heart want to be a more generous kind of person because guilt is a poor motivator. Gratitude is a great motivator. Acts 2.35 is our key theme for this series. It is more blessed to give than to receive. In other words, the blessed life is, is found in generosity, not in acquiring more and more and more. Of course, we need to receive. Of course, we need to have our needs met. And God wants to bless us and meet all of our needs. But we need to realize that life is really about the giving and not so much the taking. Our, our, that's our main verse for the series. But our main text, in fact, if you turn there now with me, our main text is Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6, Jesus is teaching about possessions and money. Did you know that Jesus taught an awful lot about money? And sometimes people will say, Pastor Greg, why do you have to even ever talk about money? Well, if I'm a faithful pastor, I've got to talk about money once in a while because Jesus talked about it a lot. In fact, I was sharing this with, with Pastor Kurt uh, before the first service today. And, and he said, oh, yes. He said, did you know that Jesus talked more about money than he talked about heaven? And that's true. I remember seeing that statistic. Jesus talked more about money than he talked about heaven. You know why? Because Jesus knows the important role that money and possessions play in our lives. You can get a lot of other things right in your life, but if you don't get this money and possessions things right, in your life, it'll just keep messing you up. It'll keep getting you distracted and distorted and off track. I mean, just think about it. You, you've heard all the statistics, right? So many marriages end in divorce because they're fighting over money. How, how many people are, are just struggling? They're sweating and, and, and stressing over their finances. It's hard to live a blessed life when you're stressing about how your money management. So, so let's see what Jesus has to say in Matthew 6. And so if you look at Matthew 6, beginning in verse 19, Jesus talks about two treasures, two perspectives, two masters, two emotions, and one solution. So let's look at it piece by piece as we go through. Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 19. This is Jesus. 
He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy. You know what vermin are, like little rodents? So don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy. If he was saying this today, he might say, you know, watch out for that stock market because you could, you could lose it all quick. And where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Notice the two treasures here. There's heaven on earth heaven and treasure in, in heaven. Jesus knows we are all on a treasure hunt. You are, I am, every last person is on some kind of treasure hunt. You know, it's that pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. And we think, man, if I can just pursue this, if I can just get there, if I can acquire this, if I can achieve that, wow, I will be blessed. I will be happy. Life will be good. And notice what Jesus does not say here. Jesus does not say, don't store up any treasure. Treasure's bad. Don't store up any treasure. He, he doesn't say that. He's actually saying store up lots of treasure. Just make sure you're storing it up in the right place. Make sure you're, you're investing in the right kind of treasure. We'll talk more about this next time. But, but our problem, Jesus says here, is that you and I have a treasure problem. We have a treasure temptation. We have an accumulation problem. And this is why he goes on to say in verse 22 that not only are there two treasures, and we need to be make sure we're investing in the right treasure, but that there are also two perspectives. Let's look at it. Two perspectives. He says your perspective is either generous or, or it's stingy. Let's look at it. Verse 22. The eye, he's talking about our perspective now, how we see things. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? He's talking about our eyes. He's talking about how we see things. Remember last weekend when, uh, when uh, Josh spoke? Didn't he do a great job, by the way? He gave a great message last, last week. And, and, and he talked about how we need to live, love, and look like Jesus. Live, love, and look like Jesus. And, and when, when he said look, he, and he explained this, that we don't have to actually try to look like Jesus, put on a robe or something, and grow a beard or something. Although sometimes it looks like Josh is trying, right? You know, with that beard and all. But, but he says, no, it's not that kind of look. It's, it's, we need to look like Jesus. We need to see and look out upon life and see, have Jesus' perspective on things. Jesus' perspective. We need to look and see the way Jesus does. And, and, and so Jesus says here, you have two ways of seeing. You have two ways of looking. If you have healthy eyes, the light can get through into your body and enlighten your life. But if you have unhealthy eyes and, and, and the light can't get through, Jesus is saying here, you either have healthy eyes or unhealthy eyes. And if, and if your Bible has uh, those little footnotes and little explanations, you, you'll see that those words, healthy and unhealthy eyes, can also be translated and has the implication of generous and stingy. So you and I, have a, we tend to see things a certain way, according to certain patterns. He's saying if we, if we see things the way he sees things, if we're looking at things the way he looks, if we have healthy eyes, his light, his truth gets into us, and we start to see life with through eyes of generosity. Or if we don't have that perspective, we have the other perspective, which is stinginess. 
which he calls unhealthy eyes. Where, so, so think, how do you see life? Do you go through life with an abundance mentality that, you know, my God will provide? I will have all that I need for this. Or do you go through life with a scarcity mentality? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. It makes you afraid and fearful. In fact, we'll look at that in the next section. Jesus is saying you, have, you, you tend to have a, a perspective on this. You either have a generous perspective or a stingy perspective, healthy eyes, unhealthy eyes. So here's how you know. Here's how you know. If you have unhealthy eyes or healthy eyes, if you have generous eyes or stingy, here's how you know. How are you seeing things right now? I just ask you, as you sit here and you listen to these words from Jesus, how, how does this make you feel? How are you seeing it? Is this making sense to you? Are you saying to yourself, wow, this is good. This is right. Jesus is true. I need to get my treasure in the right place. I, I, I need to have this generosity perspective. Or are you sitting there? making excuses, and you're resisting that light, that truth from Jesus that he wants to get into your eyes and into your life. There, there are two common excuses that we all have when it comes to money. Maybe your excuse is that you have so little that this doesn't apply to you. Well, well Pastor Greg, if you knew my situation, you would know this doesn't apply to me. First of all, I don't even have any treasure. I'm not even, I can't even build up any treasure on earth. I'm not storing up anything. If you knew my situation, if you knew my job situation, if you knew, if you knew, if you knew, and you have all kinds of excuses why you cannot be a generous kind of person. Jesus says, if that's how you see it, and you're not letting my light, my truth get into your life, you're resisting it, and, and you're going to just stay in the dark, and you won't be able to live the blessed life that I want to give you. Or maybe your excuse is not, I have too little. Maybe your excuse is, you have too much. You say, how can that possibly be? Well, I've told you this story before about a pastor one Sunday who was preaching about tithing and giving 10% of your income and being a generous kind of person. And after the service, a, a man in his church came up to him. And this man was a, was a member there and, and, and uh, was, a, was a great guy in many respects and knew the pastor well. And he said, Pastor, he said, that was a great sermon. But, you know, I, I just want you to know, this doesn't really apply to me. And he says, well, what do you mean? He says, well, Pastor, I make so much money. He said, you know, the Lord, the Lord has blessed me over the years, and, and I just have so much now. And, and pastor, is, would it be okay if I just gave 2%? Would it be okay if I just gave 3%? Because pastor, I make so much money now, 10% would be a lot. And so the pastor said, oh, I see where you're coming from. So can we pray about it? He said, sure. So he put his arm around his buddy, and, and they bowed their heads, and the pastor prayed, Dear Lord, I pray that you would reduce this man's income until he can afford to tithe. You see? We all have our excuses. We all can. I can remember Sandy and I, we, we were just... We were like 19, 20 years old, newly married, living in Houston, going to, going to, to college there. And, 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 and it was tough. We were making peanuts. I was working part-time. She was working full-time. I think she was making at one point $750 a month. And, and you know, we had, to, we had all of our own bills to pay. Parents weren't helping us, none of that stuff. And we decided, I'm going to be a pastor. We need to, we need to have integrity here, and we need to tithe. And we, I tell you what, we had so many excuses why we didn't have to tithe yet. Couldn't we count our, 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 our school bill as our tithe? <laughs> 
Because after all, it's a Bible school. See what I'm saying? Well, we all have our we all have our excuses. I make too little, I make too much. So how do you see it? Jesus says there's two treasures, there's two perspectives. Do you have healthy eyes? Are you letting my truth in? How how do you see it? Will you let me lighten your life or are you going to stay in the dark on this? And then not only are there two treasures and two perspectives, but there's also two masters. Notice what he says in verse 24. There's two masters. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Two masters. What what owns you or who owns you? I guarantee you, for every single one of us, something or someone owns us and is our master and drives our life. Who's your master? And the Bible is very clear that God should be our master, right? He owns us, really, whether we acknowledge it or not, but it's better if we acknowledge that and realize that God owns us. My possessions, my money, my time, my body, my life, everything about me, and I am simply a manager. And and you know what? I just, I just remembered, I need $100. Would somebody just give me $100? Anybody? Anybody? Just nobody wants to give me $100? Come on. Sit down, Greg. You're ruining my illustration, man. Oh, Carrie beat you to it. Oh, oh, you, you, you actually have, you actually, thank you, man. I just made out. Look at that. Look at that. Yeah, man, you know, I'm going to make a donation to the coffee bucket. How's that? Man, there we go. To draw. There we go. So, so understand that, that, that Jesus is saying here that you have two masters. It's either God or money, and, and one is going to trump the other. So ask yourself, who is your master? Do you feel that you own your money and your possessions, or do you understand you are simply managing it? And God owns it. Now you might be thinking, what was this about right here? What was this about? Why did Greg even do this and ask for $100? It's to illustrate this truth. You see, Carrie Mattinson, uh, and Carrie Carrie was so generous too, right? Let's hear it for Carrie, huh? You know? And really, Greg, man, that's just amazing. Thank you, Greg. But, but, but Carrie came up here. You know why? You know why she was so willing to, to come up here and give me $100, $100 bill? Because I had set this up before the service began. I, I told her, hey, Carrie, this is what I want to do. I want to make this point. So I took my own $100 bill and I gave it to her. And I said, when I, when I come to this point in the sermon, would you jump right up before anybody else does and, and give me the $100? So why was it so easy for Carrie to jump right up and give me the money? Because she knew it was mine, right? Just an hour ago, I'd given it to her and explained to her what's going on. So she had no problem giving me $100 because she knew it was really whose $100? It was really mine. Now, she may have been tempted. In fact, I I told her husband, Steve, to watch over her and not let her slide out. But, but, but she, she brought it and, and, and it was no pain, no pain, right? 
because she knew that it was mine to begin with. See, when you and I understand that God owns our whole life, our money, our time, our talent, everything about us, when we understand he's the owner, we wouldn't have anything if it weren't for him. When we really believe that, then there'll be no pain. And, and we will give it easily and gratefully when he asks us to be generous and to give because we understand we're only giving back what's his to begin with. So Jesus says, two masters. Who's your master? Who's your owner? Who's your master? Two treasures, two perspectives, two masters. And then beginning in verse 25, Jesus talks about two emotions. Somebody remind me to give Greg's $100 back to him. so Because I just might forget. Verse 25. Two emotions, okay? Two emotions here. Watch this. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Now the experts tell us that you can shorten your life by worry, but you're not going to add to it. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Two emotions, worry and faith. We could say fear or faith. What is the dominant emotion that you're living with on a day-to-day -day basis? Worry or faith? I I've learned over the years that whenever we talk about money, people tend to get this glazed look over their face. And they go, whoa, Jesus really wants me to be generous? He, he even wants me to give as much as 10% of my income to his work? And I can see the emotion in their faces. And you know what Jesus is saying in these verses? What really keeps us from generosity, yes, sometimes it's just, greed and stinginess. But you know what? I think more often than greed and stinginess, it's really fear. It's fear. You're not generous because you're scared. You don't believe God loves you. Oh, you say you do, but you really don't. You don't really believe that God will bless you if you do what he says, and you're walking in fear, not faith. And so I ask you, what is your emotion? that dominates your life, fear or faith? Jesus says, you don't have to worry. You don't have to. Trust me. Trust me. Two treasures, two perspectives, two masters, two emotions. And then Jesus says there's one solution. One solution to the whole thing. I love this. Look at verse 33. Here it is. Here's the solution. For the pay, uh, he, he says in verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, 
and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. There it is, verse 33. This is the solution. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. We'll unpack this more in the weeks to come, but for today, notice the emphasis on first. Seek first His kingdom. Jesus does not say seek second, seek third. No, seek first His kingdom. This principle of first is the key to a blessed life. You cannot live a blessed life, truly blessed by God, if you don't put God first. This is all about priorities. God says, I want to have top priority in your life. Put me first. Think of the Israelites in the, in the Old Testament. God told the Israelites to worship Him on the first day of the week. God told the Israelites that every firstborn animal was to be sacrificed to Him. He said, I want the first fruits of all your crops. The first, and this was related to the tithe. I want the first tenth, not the last. God said, now, because I'm sure people were tempted to say, well, hey, let's just see how the herd grows this year. Then we'll see what we can give. Hey, let's see how the crops actually turn out this year. Then we will we'll give. God says, no, no, I don't want you to do it that way. Give to me first. And trust me to bless you with the rest. This principle of first is key. That's the key to the, to the blessed life. And notice Jesus promised all these things. Seek the kingdom first, and then all these things will be given to you as well. In other words, I will bless you. You can trust me. I will take care of you and your needs. Would you bow your heads with me right now? And just for another minute, I want to just say some things, and I want to ask you some questions. But if you would just bow your head and reflect and just be in prayer right now, whispering to the Lord, what is he saying to you? I ask you, do you really want to be blessed? Then here's the solution. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. What Jesus wants is your heart. He wants you. But Jesus knows that when he really has you, then he has everything about you. Your attitude, your time, your money, your possessions. If he has you, he has all of it. And he knows that the only way to a blessed life is, is to be able to manage your money in a way that's pleasing to him. So when he says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, he's, he's talking about your money as well, your finances as well, as an act of faith in him. Maybe you're here today and you've been giving 0%. And you could start, and maybe you think, wow, starting out at 10%, wow, I don't think I can do that. Well, well, okay, then maybe 5%. But just in faith, step up and step out and say, Lord, I, I, don't, I want to have healthy eyes. I want your light. I want your blessing. And I'm going to start giving something. And then, Lord, on this journey, you can teach me. Maybe you need to prioritize getting out of debt 
Start paying down the debt, especially that credit card debt. I believe Dave Ramsey's faith uh, or financial peace university is good. We've offered it here many times over the years, and uh, we we cooperate with other churches around town so that it's going on somewhere, you know, every year. Maybe you need to take Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University and learn how God wants you to manage your money better. And I believe Dave Ramsey's formula is a good one. He talks about the 10-10-80 principle where you give that first 10% to the Lord's work and then you save 10% and then you learn to live off the rest. And I know it might take you a while to get there, but you can get there. And, and we're gonna, I'm going to teach you more on this in the weeks ahead, but I encourage you maybe to talk to Pastor Dan, our executive pastor. He has a team of people who are really good at this kind of thing, and they can just sit down and talk with you, maybe give you some advice, give you some great resources, some next steps on maybe how to get out of debt. And, and you can set up your online giving real easy on our website. If you need help with that, talk to Pastor Dan. He can, he can help you with that. But there's two treasures. There's, there's two perspectives. There's two masters. There's two emotions. Which ones do you have? And will you take Jesus' solution to put him first? He wants to bless you. He wants to meet all of your needs, give you enough for you and your family to enjoy life together, and to be generous in giving to his kingdom. So, Lord, we admit we're all on a treasure hunt. We're all seeking the blessed life. Help us to believe that it is really more blessed to give than to receive. Help us to see that our treasure is in you. And help us to begin today, determine today, to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness and to trust that you will give us all that we need. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.